Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. scripture reading today comes from Exodus 12, verses 33 through 42. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed towards the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, and also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough the Israelites had brought from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the length of time the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. It's good to be with you today. Uh, I have enjoyed uh, being with Pastor James uh, and the work of the Church of Benenkia, and that's where we first met. And. Um, he was my roommate in Cartagena and continues to be a co-conspirator in the work of the church. And I have enjoyed getting to know him these last couple of years. Well, I know like you, uh, my prayers are that he, during this time, he and his family experience encouragement and some restoration and just rest. And so I join you in those prayers. And then today, I'd love if you, before we get too far down the road here, if you'd pray with me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are really grateful for the opportunity to come today and to share your word with your people. We pray, Lord, that you will be with us, present to the work, for it is your work. We pray for insight, understanding. We pray for hearts that are ready to receive. In your name we pray, amen. 
Well, I have had the wonderful opportunity of being invited to join you in the journey uh, through Exodus, God's people moving from enslavement to liberation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, part of my background um, is thinking through issues of liberation uh, and really understanding kind of liberative narratives in scripture. And I've had um, quite the time experiencing that in places all over the world, uh, from South Africa uh, to Cambodia and Vietnam, uh, to um, the Caribbean, to Jamaica, to places that have really been exposed to colonialism and have really cha been challenged to overcome uh, those experiences over the last 500 years. Uh, and I've, I've done reconciliation work in those places and really experienced what it means for the gospel to um, be embedded and to live and really operationalize in places where um, the kind of colonial um, regime had tremendous impact. And so that's a little bit of my story um, that I wanted to share with you before we get into the word. Um, our scripture reading today comes from um, Exodus 12, and it tells the story of when the people of God had come through the final plague, and Egypt has come through the final plague, and Pharaoh is now convinced to let the people of God go. And Moses um, goes and tells the people that it's time for them to leave, that Pharaoh is 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 freeing them and the bible describes this hasty uh, move to get out of egypt this hurried and urgent move to get out of egypt and the, and it's it's really a you have to realize there are 430 years of enslavement generation after generation had experienced uh enslavement and now was the time of freedom now was the time to move. And, and really, the Bible says that, that, that God took a people um, who were not a people in this moment and made them a people, right? For, for many, um, for hundreds of years, they had no citizenship in Egypt. They were not a nation. They didn't belong to Egypt. They were enslaved people. They, were, they didn't identify in that way as Egyptians. And so now these people are going to a place where they did not know. And, and, and in the midst of this, God gives Moses instructions on sharing um, the celebration story, right? What is the celebration story uh, that these people are going to have when they leave Egypt? And that celebration story is detailed in, in Exodus 12. And one of the things it says that I just want to highlight, um, it says that a part of their celebration was to um, eat unleavened bread for seven days, right? And these displaced people um, grabbed what they could and fled the country, and they did not have time to let the bread rise. The Bible says then in Exodus 12, 19, for seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Well, the Bible has, um, as you know, several references um, about leaven. Leaven is an idea that gets carried throughout scripture. 
Jesus describes, in fact, the kingdom of God using leaven. He says, like Luke 13, 21, as like yeast that a woman took and mixed in three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Leaven in this context emphasizes a uh, the nature of leaven as an agent of change, um, which in it's it's comes in a smaller portion than the actual whole. It impacts the whole still, right? So leaven is just the small piece that gets put into the meal and then spread throughout, causing the dough to rise. And the Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a leavening agent. The emphasis in this part is on the, the leaven as an agent of change, right? So Paul then comes later as we follow this idea of leaven through scripture really quickly is that Paul in writing to the Galatians references the leaven for this same ability. But this time he implores the people to be careful because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Mind you that that kind of leaven he was talking about is things like sinful nature and disobedience, right? And, and that we have to be careful because a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. Now, what is interesting in both cases, obviously, is leaven has not changed its nature at all. Uh, leaven is a metaphor that describes the ontological nature of a thing, right? The kingdom of God is like, sin is like. Right, we we just put a little leaven in, and and it gets into the, to everything. And the reality of um, leaven is that whether we're talking about the kingdom of God or something else, leaven acts in a very similar way. It takes time to get into the hole. Right, time is required to get into the hole. Right. So um, recently, our church, had, I attend Lake Burien Presbyterian, and a few members began baking bread for our virtual communion service. Some 70 plus loaves went out to members of the church. They were baked and sent out to the members of the church, and I couldn't imagine how much time it took to do all of that. <laughs> but what I really couldn't, couldn't understand was the amount of time once I began to study how they how bread is made. I had no idea how how there are, for example, four stages of fermentation or for four stages of leavening, right? That happen. And so from what I've learned, time is required to produce that many loaves because um, there are four stages that impact the leavening process, right? And this is another word for this that I learned is called proofing. And you all probably know this better than I. I just don't bake bread. <laughs> but proofing is the dough's final rise that happens after shaping and just before baking. And so the whole process can take from two to 24 hours, depending on the kind of bread. But there's also overproofing. So you have to be careful not to let the bread, the dough sit too long because the yeast, I guess, will get to a place where the proofing, um, it, there's, it's too much. It's overproofed. I didn't even know that was a word, but now I'm learning that, right? So um, I mentioned this because <laughs> though it is important to understand the leavening process, it's, underst it's understandable that um, when we look at the leavening process, the power of the leavening process comes with time, right? In other words, 
time-consuming process that the children of Israel didn't have when they were told to leave Egypt, right? Time was of the essence. Time was of the essence. They did not have time for the bread to rise. And while it may sound like this sermon is about the power of leaven, actually, this sermon is about the relationship between unleavened bread and liberation. You see, when Israel entered the moment of freedom, there wasn't this kind of schedule of events that they could follow to go, okay, next week we're going to experience liberation. There wasn't this idea that, you know, Pharaoh um, has a plan to let us go in 30 days. That wasn't the case. The Bible says they gathered what they could and left. They had no time for proofing the dough, no time for checking to see if the dough was ready for baking, no time to allow the fermentation process, and definitely no time to let the bread cool. The question is, though, how is this relationship instructive and descriptive of what, of what liberation is all about? Is the Passover celebration, even as it exists today, deliberate and intentional so as to help us understand liberation better? See, I think sometimes liberation gets a bad rap because the character of liberation can seem sometimes um, urgent, um, immediate, all of a sudden. But that, we argue, is the nature of liberation. So my claim is here that the unleavened bread and the nature of liberation are parallel. In scripture, we should pay attention then to the seriousness in which God took this moment when requiring Israel to each year eat only unleavened bread for seven days and, not, and to not do so dismembered you from the community. See, the practice of unleavened bread is so important to God that he included it in the Passover celebration as a annual practice of remembrance. Right? Remember that liberation came at such a time that you did not have any space um, to gather things and to make bread and to, to let the dough rise, right? To sit back and let it happen. It was immediate and sudden. And even in the midst of making this idea or thinking about it like this, that it's, it's, it's this urgent, that liberation has an urgent quality to it, I've never heard a sermon preached about unleavened bread in this way. And yet I understand that because I think in the culture that we have been nurtured in is one of creating comfort, that God comforts us, that we are to be comfortable because that's what God desires for us. But what it may be more that happening with the, in the kingdom of God is that liberation may require a very uncomfortable and pressing urgency that our culture doesn't nurture in us. In fact, one might imagine the instability experienced as the plagues were, uh, came, the instability in society, 
unsettling both to Egypt and to Israel. What is going on? How is society being upset and, 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 and destabilized? Maybe even waking some folks out of a repetition that they had become used to, a certain normativity of life. Liberation may require a certain attitude that is opposite of the comfortability many of us may have been discipled in, right? That to be comfortable, to be um, nurtured into a certain ease uh, of life, that that might have been the blessing of God even, right? See, this the kind of immediacy that doesn't take time to gather provisions or get the next training or get the next um, uh, backpack so you can make sure it's perfect and ready to go, right? Imagine all your, your entire community has ever known is enslavement. You've never lived anywhere but Egypt. Your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-grandmother, your, your great-great-grandmother have only known Egypt 430 years. Plagues have covered the land and now you receive the word to go. You cannot pack a bag or get training on survival in the wilderness. You cannot meet up at the local coffee shop and have a, have a, a, a low wrap session on how things are gonna work out on the other side outside of Egypt or gather to get instructions on how to leave the only place you've known, no time to mourn uh, where you have been, not even a time to celebrate just yet. Get your stuff and let's go. You do not have time for the bread to rise. Now counter this to the stories that uh, oftentimes uh, are told in, for instance, the reading of slave narratives where those who were um, comfortable with oppression would often preach a message of patience to the enslaved. They would say that God is a God of patience and we should just wait. This happened in the letter uh, from the Birmingham jail. Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King responded to pastors who wanted Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement to just wait to just hold on, right? And they explain this is godly patience. Well, without debating whether or not this is godly patience, here's what we are learning about liberation in this text. And, and that is that liberation and freedom and release from the bondages of life do not breed patience. That's not what the text says. It bakes, the Bible says, unleavened bread. In fact, the psalmist agrees with this by saying in Psalm 94 and verse three, it reads, O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? These, this mirrors uh, and is most likely where Dr. King pulls a text from one of his own sermons and says, how long? Not long. How long? Not long. You see, ministry to those, even with addictions, are often pressed to act, not to wait, not to figure it out, not even to get it straight. Instead, they're, they're pushed to move now, to act, to act with urgency. If you really wanna experience liberation from an addiction, 
Addiction ministry and therapy require an unleavened bread mindset. You're not going to be able to get it together on your own. You must move now. Well, the challenge, though, then is pretty obvious, right? A liberation requires discomfort, but we may be enculturated to comfort. The present condition points to refusing to wait, and we're, we're taught that it's good behavior to wait and be patient. When the word came to the people that they were free, they couldn't wait, though, for the bread to rise. And so maybe there's something about discipleship that speaks to an urgency and an unwillingness to wait for liberation. Friends, each day our salvation in Christ is the type is a type of liberation, right? It is it is based on in fact the, the salvation story is is based in Israel's liberation from Egypt. There is very little a light daylight between Israel's story and liberation from Egypt and the salvation story of Jesus Christ. In fact, there are many ways in which, right, one foreshadows the other. So freedom from systems of oppression and bondage is what we have seen in Jesus Christ, what we have received in Jesus Christ. The message today is that we should consider not waiting. We, we are, we are, pushed to consider an urgent attitude towards liberation, that those who are experiencing an oppression should push towards liberation with a kind of fervency and urgency that maybe many of us have been trained to think of as um, not good discipleship. But the nature of liberation is unleavened bread. Hurry. Salvation is here. Freedom is here. 